Welcome to episode 87 of Delga, podcast between two friends about the latest in politics, society, and feminism in Indonesia and the world. I'm Stephanie Tankinisa. And I'm Sweden Lee. And this week, we're really backing on the latest part of our tagline there. We're going to talk about the coronavirus, now known as COVID-19. Again, we didn't really want to talk about this because we think we should be talking about other things, but... We can't ignore it. We want to have people stay informed. Um, so we'll give our reactions about the latest confirmed cases in Indonesia. And yeah, talk about the... Various medical studies that are breaking news and tells you about the mortality rate of this disease. Very exciting. Yes. Actually, uh, it's really interesting. I just wish more people would read the WHO medical studies. But yeah, you know, we need to talk about this in a more rational and calm way. And so here's to it. As usual, listeners, uh, Stephanie and I are not medical experts, uh, but we're trying our best to find our information from reputable sources, such as mm-hmm. the WHO, and give you the latest information that are verified by scientific communities. So take what we say with a grain of salt, but also do your research and, you know, corroborate the things we've said. Okay. So what do we know about the case in Indonesia right now? So what we know now um, is that there are two women officially declared having a form of coronavirus mm-hmm. or COVID-19. I'm actually going to start calling it COVID-19 because oh, yeah. that's the actual... <laughs> Since our last episode, they've named it now. Yeah. So now it's COVID-19, which stands for Coronavirus Disease 2019. This is kind of important because this kind of shows that this is not like a Chinese epidemic and mm-hmm. this times and dates the virus to 2019. Yeah. At the same time, coronavirus is not, this is not the only coronavirus. There's various versions of coronaviruses yeah. that has been out there before. Mm-hmm. So we're calling this particular, not we, the World Health Organization <laughs> is now calling this COVID-19 to signify this particular situation and how it's unfolding. And like last time, you know, uh, I think a lot of places when it wasn't officially named were calling it coronavirus, Wuhan virus. Or the Chinese coronavirus. And that does not help in destigmatizing the virus, right? Like yeah. a lot of people, there's been reports all over the world where Chinese people and people of Asian descent who has been discriminated because of perceived uh, connections with the coronavirus of COVID-19. Um, so yeah, I think we need to be better and be more mindful about calling it COVID-19. And so we're going to start doing that from now. Yeah, so anyway, back to the COVID-19 Indonesia link. There are two women, a mother and a daughter. The daughter is in her early 30s and the mother in her early 60s who are officially declared by the government of Indonesia as having COVID-19, testing positive for COVID-19. The What we do know now, and sometimes little parts of this is a bit shaky because even if looking at reputable news sites, your compass, your tempo, yeah. your, all of that, there's slight details and variations towards the details. Mm-hmm. Um, but the general outline is that and this Indonesian woman in her early 30s is a dance teacher at this restaurant called Amigos in Kamang, which is actually close to my house. In and Jakarta. I have been there several times before. So this is a pretty close thing here. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she's a dance teacher. And as a dance teacher, they had some dance night. Mm-hmm. It was February 14th, Valentine's dance event. 
apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a dance teacher, she was dancing with a Japanese man who lives in Malaysia. And um, that's how she came to contact with this COVID-19 strain. And, and, you know, a couple of days later, she started feeling uh, tired. She had a dry cough and it does the general tell about symptoms of COVID-19. You know, at, as a good mom, the mom, you know, visited her sick daughter and that's how she transmitted this disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, just to add one more point, the reason why we know about these two cases is because that Japanese tourist that was in the class uh, went back to Malaysia and was tested positive in Malaysia. And so they retraced the steps and discovered that, oh, there are these two people in Indonesia who are also yeah. uh, tested positive. And in a way, it's almost like now the Indonesian government can't deny that there is anyone in Indonesia having COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is a thing. This is, yeah, this I is think the Indonesia now. was forced to admit that they had a strain of COVID-19 as much as they didn't want to admit it, which yeah. I think is really good. I think it's important to face the fact that we definitely have COVID-19 in our population, mm-hmm. just that how are we going to handle it going exactly. forward? So what are the, the general symptoms of COVID-19? What should people be mindful of? Most of our listeners, you've heard about this a million times, but it's always good to reiterate. The most common symptoms of COVID-19 is a cough, a fever, and shortness of breath. Um, there are some variations that might include like uh, abnormally fast breathing, as well as like thick phlegm in your cough, so like a wet cough. Um, but a lot of these symptoms are, you know, for a lot of people, they're not that different from a flu. But it's always good when you're feeling those kind of symptoms to go and get yourself checked out so that, you know, uh, your doctors can confirm whether or not you have COVID-19. And here's the number one thing we also want to say. Even if you have COVID-19, it is not a death sentence. It is not. The majority of people who have COVID-19 recover. Mm-hmm. And uh, even actually the majority of people who have COVID-19 don't even know they have COVID-19. Yeah, they have mild symptoms. And then they're just like, okay, I'm fine, whatever. And then... There's in the last few weeks, there's a really important study that the WHO and China did. It's a joint mission on the coronavirus disease 2019. Mm-hmm. And they started analyzing the 20,000 or so cases that they have in the Wuhan province and found some really interesting results, which I think the way we should handle this crisis is with good, solid scientific information. And from there, what do we want to do with it? Mm-hmm. So. As Sweden said, those are generally the symptoms, and the WHO has actually compiled based on 55,000 laboratory-confirmed cases that fever is present in 87% of the people having COVID-19, dry cough is apparent in 67%, fatigue is 38%, Um, shortness of breath is 18%, sore throat is 14%, headache is 13%, and so forth. Um, So I think those are the kind of things that you should watch out for. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, we've been a few months out from the initial outbreak um, at the end of 2019 and going into um, 2020. And this is the thing that people also need to realize, right? There wasn't a lot of information beforehand because the, uh, uh, the disease was literally, you know, during the midst of an outbreak, people were responding rather than analyzing. 
But now that it's been a few months, the WHO and various governments have had the time to properly analyze the data, and they're going to be coming out with a lot of these reports and information, uh, all of it backed by scientific experimentation and analysis, and those are the ones we should be trusting our um, information on. Rather than believing somebody's WhatsApp group you know, being forwarded, etc., we should be looking out for these um, new findings and really believing in the science because I think that's been a huge element about COVID-19 right now is that the panic and misinformation, you know, admittedly, it makes sense because there's been a gap in terms of the information being disseminated, but it's because people have been researching. And now that research results are coming out, we should be paying more attention to those. Right. So I think one of the most important information coming out of it is, and I think something that I think more people should try to learn and understand more of, is the crude fatality ratio or often the death rate or the mortality rate of the COVID-19 mm-hmm. strain. Right. So as of February 20, of the 55,000 confirmed cases, 2,000 have died. So this is a crude fatality rate of 4%. But this CFR rate varies so much based on those who live in Wuhan, which is 5.8%, and those who live in other areas outside of Wuhan, which is 0.7%. Mm-hmm. To me, what this means is that, like, I think there is a bias towards making this number higher than it perhaps actually is because a lot of people have it, mm-hmm. but you're only going to be tested. We have currently a very limited test kit supply. Yeah. So if you already have symptoms severe enough to warrant test kits or if you're in the stage where you're getting a test kit, you maybe are already in a pool with a higher risk, mm-hmm. and therefore you're going to skew this number higher. Yeah. Which is why there's this situation with Wuhan having 5.8% fatality rate, mm-hmm. right? Whereas when you look at the disease itself outside of China with where I think if you're looking at, and I don't know the breakdown of how many of these test kits are done in the Wuhan area versus China, but I feel like this is more representative of the disease itself. It's 0.7%, right? Mm-hmm. So I think this is a more representative sample of the death rate of this virus. I think that's also that's another thing uh, people need to be mindful of, right? Like, as governments and WHO and other organizations are reacting to this disease, there's people are coming up with how to test it uh, on the yeah. spot. And so, yeah, and uh, like limited resources, like you said. Yeah, with limited resources. So, what this means is let's put this in context of other diseases. The seasonal flu, uh, a really bad, more deadly seasonal flu, which doesn't cause any kind of like pandemic, epidemic status, has a 0.1% fatality rate, which means that, yes, the COVID-19 is, you know, maybe seven times more deadly than mm. the regular flu, but it doesn't mean that this is SARS, MERS, or Ebola, which mm-hmm. has a much higher death rate. Yeah. What I think people need to understand is that it has a low fatality rate, but it spreads really easily. That's what makes it very difficult and, mm-hmm. and kind of scary. Because, okay, let's say that it does have a low death rate of 0.7% or 2%. If that is true, then that's then like that of 7 billion is still a significant amount of people yes. who would die. So yes. that is nothing to not think about. But this is not the Black Death, yeah, I guess. Exactly. And another point that I'm sure listeners you've heard of, but it's also good to reiterate, a lot of the people who have died because of COVID-19 are people over the age of 60, and uh, usually they already have pre-existing conditions. Right. For the people who have died, what this WHO study says is that um, 13% already has cardiovascular disease, 9% have diabetes, 8% have hypertension, 8% have chronic respiratory disease, and 7.6% already have cancer. Mm-hmm. So the majority of these people have 
kind of conditions that are underlying already. Because what COVID is, is that it is a respiratory virus mm -hmm. that latches onto your lungs in certain ways and it makes you die generally out of like pneumonia. If you already have cancer, which is your autoimmune system is already really not doing super hot. And mm -hmm. if you already have sort of all these cardiovascular lung issues, it's going to be like more problematic for you. Uh, most people who are healthier have healthier immune systems and they can mm -hmm. cope with the, you know, with the symptoms of the disease. It's those people who are already have compromised immune systems or who are the most vulnerable. Right. So on that, on that front, it's both the very elderly as well as the very young. But for the majority of the population, the people in between, you're usually fine. The reason why you've seen doctors die, like the doctor who uh, spoke out against um, the virus, the virus in, the in the first place, mm -hmm. is that doctors and healthcare workers are overwhelmingly exposed to the virus it's mm -hmm. not like and not just to that virus to but also other other stuff but yeah. basically your susceptibility also varies based on the intensity of the virus that you face yes how much pathogens and viruses like take over your brain and like kind of take over your immune system it's very different than like getting trace amounts of it yeah once you can get a mild case which is why i think it's more serious in wuhan where there's more people being exposed to it constantly yeah. and you're getting reinfected that's the thing, right? At the end of the day, from what we know so far, the virus is not a particularly strong virus. It's just depending on your circumstances, whether you're in the front lines of fighting the virus or you're already, you know, your immune system is already compromised. Uh, we've I been think we need to be cautious, but we don't need to overreact. And yeah. I think overreacting is counterproductive to how we're going to protect the society in actuality. Mm -hmm. And actually fight the virus, right? Because I think for me... Reading a lot about, you know, especially uh, President Jokowi announced about the confirmed cases just on Monday, or just like mm -hmm. two days as of the time of recording. There's been a lot of panic buying. There's been a lot of, you know, sharing of information over WhatsApp, etc., etc. And I don't think it puts the right kind of attention to uh, the responses that are needed. Instead of like panic buying, you should be thinking about like, how do you practice good hygiene? How do you make sure, you know, if you feel sick, you either stay at home or you go see the doctor? Instead of going to buy, you know, crates of Indomie. Which, you know, in a way kind of puts you in exposed positions, maybe. It's also taking know. away resources from others who need it. And yeah. you're try you're jacking up prices. You know, a lot of people yeah. have been talking about face mask shortages. So uh, that's really real and it really is something that annoys me. One, face masks do not protect you yeah. against COVID-19. Secondly, there are a lot of healthcare workers who actually need it. Mm -hmm. So... Don't be an asshole. If you're feeling fine, you don't need to um, hoard up on these resources. Obviously, we get it. You want to make sure you're well-stocked and you have the stuff you need in case anything happens. But you've got to be mindful that this is not a yourself-against-the-world situation. Mm -hmm. We're all participating in a society. We need to share our resources and we need to empathize with other people, right? And I think for me, it's like, okay, if you are hoarding the resources... I just don't think that the reaction is towards good and safe hygiene. Yeah. Being rational, being calm, and doing the right things is much more important than going out into a panic and uh, sending everyone else into a panic. Because I've heard reports of like, uh, my, by reports, I mean my mom. Like she <laughs> went to the supermarket trying to get something small, saw a huge line, and now she feels like she has to buy something. It's, just, it's a weird like FOMO kind of situation. Yeah. And I think this whole panic thing is potentially counterproductive For in the sure. sense if you do have these symptoms 
you're not going to tell your doctor yeah what you actually have and mm-hmm. you're not going to be necessarily responsible in isolating yourself and telling the doctor what's real because there have been rumors about people having the symptoms but lying to the doctors about where they went where they were mm-hmm. and what their symptoms are yeah do not do this mm-hmm. that's just risking more people to be infected yeah. and it's the opposite thing of like you're going to be mostly fine yes. if you have it but if you somehow spread it to people who are not going to be mostly fine, how do you feel about that? It's right? like also I think there's this thing if you think you have COVID-19 and you want to go to a doctor, call ahead and say that you have potentially COVID-19 mm-hmm. so they can clear and make sure that you can come in in a way that is not dangerous to other patients who are presumably if you go to a hospital going to be a lot of elderly people. So yeah. you're going to be put in a place where you're not going to infect and make other people sick. Yeah. I think we need to destigmatize COVID-19 a little bit because making people scared about the situation, making people scared to report if they have symptoms, that is the wrong way to address a potential pandemic, right? Yeah. Like a lot of these things are just being responsible and being mindful that you live in shared spaces, you live with other people, and just be a more responsible, empathetic Mm -hmm. human being instead of trying to hoard everything for yourselves or trying to just protect yourselves and nobody else. Right. up obviously we're sort of just like reacting to the news in a way uh but we want to record this episode and talk about this because we feel like a lot of the information right now is much more biased towards being paranoid being Mm -hmm. overprotective and not being empathetic enough to not only you know uh people in your country but also just to the world in general um i think we need to be more level-headed and be more rational when dealing with the situation mm-hmm. obviously it's hard because you know uh, the media only reports like fatality rates or like you know they're, they're scaremongering in a way so i think it's up to us ourselves citizens right to be more mindful and find information that balances out the scenario and just don't get drawn into the drama the drama like it's easy it's much easier to be drawn into drama it's less sexy to think about like, oh... Fatality rate, is it 0.7% or 2% yeah. based on how is this 50,000 cases sampled and how is this like actually done? The thing is, this is a really developing situation. We'll know way more information mm-hmm. as the CDC, as the WHO, and as the Chinese CDC conduct more studies. Yeah. Until then, we need to practice safe, healthy, responsible hygiene practices, mm-hmm. which includes washing your hands again and then covering your nose and mouth. Don't touch your face when yeah. in public places before touching your before washing your hands. And if you feel sick, stay at home. If you feel more sick, go see the doctor. Tell them you might have symptoms of COVID nineteen. Be responsible. Think about your doctors. Think about the patients yeah. in your uh, hospitals or clinics. Yeah. Uh, these are simple stuff that you know we've been taught as children when we were growing up and now it actually really matters so on that note um, keep calm and wash your hands
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find more information and resources of whatever we talked about on our website, delica.id. Music credits to John Dealey, Lee Rosevere, and of course, Broke for Free. If you like what you hear and want to support us, please review our podcast on the Apple Podcast app or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. And please share our podcast with your friends. It's the best way to spread the word about Dialogica. If you want to get more involved, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is dialogicapodcast at gmail.com or just shoot us a message on our Facebook page. You can also find us on Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, and our Twitter. Please follow us in these various platforms. Our Twitter handle is at dialogicapod. Also, follow me on Twitter. It's Steph Tank. That's S-T-E-P-H-T-A-N-G-K. Thank you again and see you guys next time. Bye!